This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Brett Gilliland, and today I'm with Dr. Jason Selk. How you doing? I guess we do that now. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you, Brett. We're, we're more than six feet apart. Yeah, but you know what? It's nice to be in person. That's it's right. It's nice to be yeah. in person. Not a lot of these going on right now, mm-hmm. so it's good, man. Well, look, we've got right here Relentless Solution Focus. You've seen this? I've seen it a couple seen of times. a time or two? Yeah, yeah. Or a thousand? Times. Yeah. I hear it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> so I got this delivered to my uh, to my office last week, and uh, it was it's been awesome, man. So I'm not fully finished, but I'm uh, I'm probably 75 percent of the way done. Great. And uh, but absolutely loving it. I'm not just saying that because you're sitting there. Well, so. I, I like I said earlier, I don't need the compliments. I like the critical feedback, the yeah. honest feedback. I think it's a book right now that people probably need to read and will benefit people. Yep. So I would agree with that. So, well, for those people that may not know who Dr. Jason Selk is, man, why don't you give us a little lay of the land, what's made you the man you are today, and you don't just wake up and coach the Cardinals and coach the people that you're working with today, and, and so what's, what's been kind of your story in the past? Um, so we're going to start right with, we're going to dive in head first here. That's right. I, I'd say probably what separates me from others is I absolutely love what I do. I mean, I, I get paid well for doing it. But to me, it's all about helping people. I grew up, um, my, both my parents were in the helping profession. Uh, I think my dad, you know, we talked a little bit about him before we started. He's one of the kindest, most giving, helpful people I've ever met. He was just uh, really, really influential in teaching me how to see things, not necessarily just as they appear, but how to maybe look from different angles but more than anything, they just really role modeled. The main thing in life is family and to help other people. I remember, you know, Thanksgivings and Christmas, like, you know, most families are waking up and turn on the TV and relaxing. And our house, we always did service projects before we wow. did anything for ourselves, you know, delivered meals on wheels for Thanksgiving and yeah, my mother was also in the helping profession. She she was very influential. But I think that just instilled in me a real desire to help other people, and I also hate to lose. Mm. So that that combined. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah. So you know, and I went through school. I I didn't want to just be a all talk guy. I mean, you know, I actually have yep. learned as much as you can at least in school learn about performance and how the brain works. So you kind of put it all together and. It's turned out pretty well for me, and I've been able to work with some people like the Cardinals and all kinds of highly successful people. And kind of like you, every time I work with somebody like that, 
I'm learning as much, hopefully, as they're learning from me. I'm learning how to get better and work with the next person. So talk to us about the, the Cardinal thing. Obviously, those of us in St. Louis, we uh, love our Cardinals, and, and you had a shot, right? And I think, uh, was it Tony LaRusso said you get, you got 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I thought in 2006, um, Walt Jockety, you know, the Cardinals, they hadn't won a World Series in 24 years, yeah. and they had had a couple of uh, tough playoff losses. 2004, we get swept by the yep. uh, Sox. Red Sox yep. yeah. And then in 2005, I think the Astros knocked the Cardinals out in the playoffs. And Walt reached out and, and said, you know, can you help the team win a World Series? And I thought, yeah, it's a major challenge, and I'm honored. But, yeah, absolutely. I knew some things that I could already do to help push the team. And um, so I think Walt was sold, but – uh, I was told Tony was sold, but that wasn't really the case. I mean, yeah. I flew out to spring training on a one-week round trip, and the first day on the job, Tony's like, well, you've got 10 minutes with the team. If you can make it happen in 10 minutes, great. Otherwise, you might want to get an earlier flight home. And, um, you know, and the thing about it is, you know, I coach people to be prepared for moments like that, yeah. and I'm a big believer in eat your home cooking, you know. So I was – totally ready now i wasn't necessarily ready for that but i was ready for somebody throwing me a curveball yeah. and i think tony respected that and realized right off the bat that hey th this guy he he's here for the same reason we are and i was lucky enough you know i uh, got the job in 2006 as director of sports psychology we won our first world series in 24 years i stayed with the team for six years we won Another World Series right. in 2011. After that, I stepped down to pursue some other opportunities. But six years, two World Series. Uh, Doesn't really, hurt the resume. Really, no, it, uh, actually, <laughs> it was pretty good for the resume. Exactly. You know, it was a good run. And, and yeah. like I said, I think the best thing for me, you know, obviously it's great for credibility and yep. business. But I was able to be around people like Walt Jockety and Tony Larusa and Dave Duncan, you know, people on the yeah. staff. and. And then you talk about the players, oh, you know, that was lineup. Carpenter and Wainwright and Pujols yeah. and Molina. Those guys, you know, you, you, you pick up so much just by watching how the best in the world go about their business. So it was a great opportunity for me in a number of different ways. So, when you, so speaking of that, when you, when you see the best in the world, what, what is that one or two things you picked up from guys like you just mentioned? What, what are you seeing that's different? Well, something I was talking today um, to some I was talking to some advisors today who are really good. You know, I was talking to an MD at Northwestern Mutual. You, yeah. you know that business. And he's really good. You know, he's one of the top MDs in the country. And we, we just talked about the difference between we were using the example of a Bill Belichick versus some of the other pro coaches out there. The thing about the best of the best is there just seems to be a precision with how they go about doing their job yep. and you know you take that same precision and apply it to every aspect of what's important in your job and that's where you start to see someone you know the cream really start to rise yeah. and and it happens year after year I know this year you know the Patriots didn't make the playoffs but I certainly wouldn't be betting against them for long right. Right. Uh, but but I'd say you know there's a number of different things and you know, again, growing up in the household that I grew up in, I don't know if I learned this or if it was just kind of part of my DNA, but I am so interested in people. And so, you know, studying people is something that isn't work for me. It's yeah. interesting. I'm always curious. And so, you know, if you study 
people long enough, look for some of the important things, then you start to see those patterns. And I'd tell you again, those patterns for the highly successful, they're definitely out there yeah. if you know what you're looking for. And I'd say precision is one of them. Okay, that's good. And I think too, for you, what you said earlier, when somebody says, hey, you've got 10 minutes, you, you've got your, in your mind, you've got a week scheduled, right? And now you got 10 minutes to make an impact. You got to be ready for anything. And you said that, right? When somebody throws you a curveball. So what do you tell our listeners, whether it's a financial advisor, a lawyer, whoever it may be, how do we get ready for the game, right? When we don't know what the game's going to bring us. Yeah, so it's, I, I, I think I'd say two things. One, as a financial advisor, for sure, you know, you and I, I spend a lot of my time with financial advisors, a lot of my time with lawyers, a lot of my time with business owners, a lot of people in sales these days. You know, I'm, I don't work nearly as much in the sports world as I used to. Whether it be a sales meeting, whether it be a meeting with your employees, you have got to be organized and prepared. And, you know, I think people have this tendency to try to be prepared for everything try to be organized on everything, it's just not possible. So I'd, I'd really, you know, it's, it's called channel capacity. And I'm not going to bore listeners with the details of the science on this one, but the human mind can only focus on so much at a time. And the magic numbers are three and one. So I'd, I'd say, and when I say three and one, let me explain real quick. In working memory, you can keep three things on on your mind, on front of mind at a time. And if you're trying to improve or learn something new, the number is really one. Hmm. So I'd say, you know, you must be prepared. Go in and know the, the single most important thing you can do. You know, like my situation with the Cardinals, I knew where my value was. I was very clear on how I could deliver it and what that one was. And then, so preparation, you know, know what your one value add is or know the three most important statistics that the client needs to be aware of if you're a financial advisor going into the meeting and then you've got to be prepared you've got to expect adversity so again i'd use kind of the same numbers i'd think okay i'm going in and my game plan is x what are two or three curveballs that could come my way and how am I going to deal with those? If I'm a financial advisor, if I'm a, in sales, if I'm an attorney, I might look at it this way. Going into this meeting, what's the one question I most hope they don't ask? Or what's the one thing I most hope they don't say? And then I'm going to be prepared on how to answer or how to deal with that one thing. That's awesome. That's great feedback. So let's talk about uh, cortisol and serotonin. I you know, read that in the book here. Uh, but explain that to our listeners, because that is so, so important. Yeah, look at you, getting uh, scientific Dr. Gill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, those are neurotransmitters, yeah. and really you got the bad one, and you got one of the good ones. Yep. And unfortunately, most people don't even understand the biology of how the brain works. But I just, this is so important. You know, when people come to see me, really one of the first things I teach people about is something called problem-centric thought. Problem-centric thought is the biological tendency to focus on the negative. It's totally normal. I'll give you an example. I'm guessing it's normal for you, just like it'd be normal for me, just like it's pretty normal for everybody listening. You do 100 things right, one thing less than perfect. When you get in your car, driving home after work, yep. your mind focuses on that imperfection. 
That's a perfect example of PCT, problem-centric thinking. Now, it's biologically wired into all of us, and it goes back to survival hundreds of years ago. That's what kept us alive. But these days, you know, this, even with coronavirus and everything we've gone through in 2020, this is still, scientifically speaking, the safest time for human beings to be alive. And so that PCT biological wiring, yeah, it maybe used to keep us alive and help us with survival, but now it really impacts us, our performance, our health, our happiness in a negative way. And going back to the cortisol, anytime I think about a problem or the negative in the world, my brain releases into my bloodstream cortisol. That's that neurotransmitter. Now cortisol, again, back in the day was helpful to keep us alive. Very small doses of cortisol help. It, it actually, again, is good for survival. But when you surpass a low dose of cortisol, it becomes counterproductive very, very quickly and actually now becomes very unhealthy for us. So you want to understand that the, the biological system, when you experience a negative emotion, that negative emotion was given to you as an alarm system that's supposed to cue you into what's going on in your head. And you're supposed to think to yourself, okay, I feel like garbage. I feel angry. I feel frustrated. I feel depressed, sad, whatever it might be. But all that is supposed to do is be your cue that says, okay, I'm feeling negative. Now I got to control. I got to change my thoughts. And what we try to do, and this is what I outline in the book, Relentless Solution Focus, is move from PCT to RSF. RSF is really the polar opposite of PCT, RSF, Relentless Solution Focus. So instead of allowing your brain to focus on the negatives or the problems, when you feel that cortisol release, when you feel a negative emotion, take that as your cue and then very quickly shift your thinking. Here's a very effective way. If, if I was listening at home, I'd, I'd write this question down. This is the million-dollar question, maybe the billion-dollar question. Um, what's one thing I can do right now that could make this better? Anytime you feel the negative emotion, you ask the question and come up with an answer. Now what you've done biologically is you've stopped the cortisol, and now you've started a serotonin, norepinephrine, all kinds of good neurotransmitters are going into the system that make you feel better. But it happens that quickly. It, and it's if you can do it within 60 seconds, it happens that quickly. And that's so why. Not to interrupt, but if you get, let's say you did that thing, right? The 100 things, great. You get in your car downstairs here in your building, you're driving home. What's Jason Self doing? So within three seconds now, I've learned. I've trained myself to learn. Okay, I know what I'm doing. I'm focusing I on see the what imperfection. The so that's a three or four second process. And then I say to myself, okay, stop. Before I start going down that road, what did I do well today? So I just, in that situation, I force myself to evaluate, okay, what, what did I do well first? Yep. And then if I want to go back to the imperfection, instead of looking at it like, what's wrong with you? How could you be so stupid? Right. I, I say, what's one thing I could do to be a little bit better at that next time? And if I can do that and do it fairly quickly, like I said, within that 60 second margin, you're staying out in front of the cortisol, so it really does happen that fast. Now, here's the good thing. Not only does the cortisol release cause you to feel horrible, but it also impacts your brain in a very negative way. It starts to disable cognitive functioning. It moves you into fight or flight, which all that means yeah. is you lose the ability for detailed thinking. That's why it was helpful for survival, you know, hundreds of years right. ago. 
On the other hand, when I can move away from the cortisol and start releasing the serotonin, the good neurotransmitters, it enhances my creativity, my cognitive functioning. So not only do I feel better, I become smarter, more capable of improvement in those biologically induced states. And that's the power of choice, I would assume, because I can get in my car and I can either allow myself to continue saying, oh, Brett, you're terrible at this, you're terrible at that, but flip it, right? Flip the switch and now say, Brett, what's one thing you could have done better? What's the, all the great things you could do today or you did do today? And that's how fast we, sw we switch it. Yeah. And I, instead of all the great things, because that's a tough one, just start on three. Just get okay. yourself focused okay. on what are the three things. And it doesn't have to be the biggest three. Just get going down the road of what are you doing in a positive way. I'm going to say one more thing about this, because to me, it's fascinating. You, you see in the sports world. Okay. So in the business world, it's not as noticeable. But in the sports world, you've seen you know, a team comes out, we're about to have the Super Bowl here. Team comes out at halftime and they look terrible. One team's right. totally dominating the other team. They're getting all the plays are going in their favor and they're making great plays, making these fantastic catches and game saving tackles. And it just seems like you got momentum on your side. Well, there's a biological nature to the momentum. When you're feeling like you're not playing well, you're releasing, that's your brain focusing on problems mm. or the negative. You're releasing cortisol. Biologically, you are handicapping yourself. When you're playing well and you recognize you're playing well, you're releasing serotonin, norepinephrine into the system. That's a biological enhancement. It's a little bit like taking a healthy steroid, if you will, that has an immediate impact. So there is a biological nature, without a doubt, to momentum and performance. And you're right. Part of mental toughness in our world, our world, the business world, is recognizing that it's a choice of how you think. Think about what you're doing well and what you want to improve. Avoid thinking about what am I screwing up on. So talk to us about this book, Relentless uh, Solution Focus. You've been talking about this, I know, for years, yeah. RSF. I love it. it. Again, what we've just been talking about. But, but why now? Why the book now? And, well, uh, you know, I think now, obviously, we didn't time this. Uh, but I think with everything we've been through with the coronavirus and the social issues we've had, yeah. I think this is perfect timing for the book. But this, this, as you know, is one of my big concepts that I've talked about for years and years and years. It really is, uh, over the last 20 years, the speech I've been most requested to do. And I've talked about it in all the previous books. But this one, because the demand for RSF continues to be so high, you know, people just keep asking me okay. to come talk about it and teach them about it. I said, you know what, instead of taken a chapter in one of the books let's just go all in on rsf and let's really get people to a mastery level now i think what's really good about it is i hope it doesn't read like a cognitive neuroscience no, textbook it does you know, not I, I think one of the things i try to really do a good job of is really distilling down the most important information but then my job is make it simple for people to digest and use and i think we've done a good job and I, i'll give some credit to my colleague, Dr. Ellen Reed, she and I put a lot of effort. We spent a lot of time in the research on this one and in the application of it. And, and like I said, I think right now, if there's ever been a time that RSF is going to benefit you or your organization, now is the time. I'll give you some statistics. These are my favorite statistics. People with RSF are significantly, measurably proven scientifically to be happier, healthier, more successful. People with RSF live up to 14 years longer than normal people. 
And again, in those extra years of life, in addition to the, you know, the already years of life, you're going to have a measurable increase in health, happiness, and success. And as an individual, obviously that's important, but person in a leadership position, if you can get your team, and this was probably my big contribution to the St. Louis Cardinals when I was with the team, is they were already very solution-focused. I think I helped them push it one degree further down the road. But if you can get an individual to start changing the mindset to RSF, that's great. If you can get individuals in an organization on a team, the team or the organization itself will start to experience the measurable and significant improvement in health, happiness, and success. And again, like I said, right now more than ever, I think this is a book, and I'll give people a guarantee. You buy this book, you don't get what you need from this book. If, if you don't get your value out of this book, you send me an email. I'll buy that book right back from you, full price, no questions asked. But this is a book, you know, I look at it this way. With all this social injustice, you know, people are so focused on the differences. And, you know, understand my training is not on what people look like on the outside. But when you open us up, what, what's – and if you look at the inside of us, right. it's virtually identical. Yep. And that's what I mean is we're all on the same team. Like it or not, we are all a part of the human race. That's right. And if we can get everybody on this team understanding this RSF concept, I'm telling you, our world will be in a much better place. So I, I just, I really challenge people, pick up this book. Don't try to read the whole thing in a day, especially if you get the last couple of chapters. That's where the, the yep. training mechanism comes in. You know, slow it down a little bit. And I, we talk about this in the book. So it's, once you get to these next couple of chapters, take it slow, because this is how you actually retrain for the biology so that RSF becomes normal and PCT becomes abnormal. Well, that's what I think I love about this, too, is I'm a, I'm a visual guy as well. So you've got the concepts like right here, you know, where you draw it out. If somebody on their notebook at home yeah. can do this and then walk themselves through the system. Yeah, and I think so it's good. Big. Yeah, to, instead of just having words, you know, we tried to bring it to life a little bit by understanding visually how the brain works and how some of these very small changes can have a huge impact. But let, me, let me say three things. Number one. It's totally normal to be mentally weak. It's abnormal to be mentally tough. Number two, everybody, everybody can learn to be mentally tough. And we talk about it in here. It's really, you talk about the training mechanism here. It's not a pep talk necessarily, more of training. Three minutes a day, three days a week minimum. And the training, it's not like, you know, working on your bicep where it hurts. It's actually somewhat enjoyable to do the three minutes of mental work. That's the second thing. Everybody can learn to be mentally tough, and when you learn to be mentally tough, it's a guarantee, scientifically proven guarantee you will experience a significant measurable improvement in health, happiness, and success. So walk us through those three minutes. So it's two parts. I'm not going to get too far into the details on this one because I I don't want to overwhelm the listener, but one part is what we call a success log, and it's just really answering four simple questions each day. What am I doing well? What do I want to improve? How am I going to make the improvement? And then you give yourself a 1 to 10, how well did I do in the previous 24 hours with that RSF mindset? What it does, you know, think about it this way. Neurons that fire together wire together. Neurons that fire apart wire apart. Hmm. We know biologically we're wired to focus on the negative. Thinking about what you do well and what do you want to improve 
it's abnormal, but we can rewire the brain. It's neuroplasticity. We know this. And it, again, it doesn't take that much work. Three, so just answering those simple yep. questions. You don't need even remotely close to perfect answers. Just answer the questions. If you do it on a regular basis, you start to rewire those neurons. So you see, part of that process is just doing it, right? I mean, even if you just write two words that, That's down, the majority right? of yeah. the process. It's yeah. like going to the gym. You know, I know you work out. When's the last time you went to the gym and had a perfect workout? Yeah. Never. Right. Me too. I don't yeah. even know what that looks right. like. But you're in good shape. Yeah. You go to the gym. It works. Yeah. It's the same thing here. Yeah. With your brain as a muscle, just like your bicep. Yeah. So you answer those four questions. And then but the, also, if I can interrupt, sorry again, but if you just go to the gym, you're going to do it. Probably. Right? Just like if you open the notebook. Now, again, do don't it. just go to the gym and find a seat and look around. Yeah. You know, get on the elliptical. Right. You know, move your legs a little bit. Yeah. Do something. And that's the thing is we're making it very clear exactly what to do, and it's not painful. Yep. The second part of the three minutes, and, you know, answering those four questions, let's call that a minute. The second part is something called the mental workout. It's really one of the big contributions I made to the St. Louis Cardinals. It's just using the most effective and proven sports psychology and performance psychology tools to get your mind to think and visualize the positive things in life and what you wanted to what you want to get done that day in a yeah. positive way yeah. you know and again it's it's extremely clear there's no real question marks all you got to do is answer the questions and, and it kind of puts itself together for you but if you can on a daily basis, spend three minutes answering those questions and then thinking about, okay, how do I want my life to be and what do I need to do to make it happen with specifics? What you're going to find is your brain starts to move and gravitate just naturally because you're, you're retraining those neurons so that instead of getting in your car and beating yourself up, you actually get in your car and you're able to recognize, wait a second, I'm starting to beat myself up. Right. I'm not going to do that. What am I doing well? What do I want to improve? And, and as, as small as that sounds, biologically and physically and emotionally, it makes a major, major yep. impact over time. Yep. So what about the person that's listening right now that says, man, but I'm, I'm pretty far down this path, right? I've got this bad habit and that bad habit and that bad habit. It's not as simple as we're making it sound right now that I'm just going to go get in my car and, and the first time I'm just going to not go down that rabbit hole. And that's what I tell you. First of all, understand it's normal. Yep. You know, and I think people have this tendency to think, okay, well, I'm not very mentally tough and there's no hope for me or I'm too far gone. That, that's yeah. BS. Yep. There's no empirical evidence to support any of that anywhere. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm living proof. I mean, people I went to high school with cannot believe that I'm, <laughs> right. I'm serious. Right. I had to stop right. going to the high school reunions because right. people thought I was lying. You know, you, right. you haven't written books. You don't right. coach people that we watch on the news right. or on Sports Center. And that's the thing, and that's fine. I get it. I mean, I was just as lost as anybody. Yep. And I just, I learned this stuff going through graduate school and I started doing it myself. And I just say this, life becomes a lot easier when you learn how to control at a higher level, those six inches between your ears. So, so I'd say with any, you know, the further gone you are, the easier this is going to be for it to have an impact. But that's true. You see a bigger just impact do quicker. a little reading, you know, again, don't, don't try to read the whole thing. Just read a page a day. If you get to Sunday and you haven't read your page, Catch it up. Get seven pages a week. I love it. How much of this, I, I, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How much of this is fact and how much of this is opinion? 100% science. You yeah. know, and that's what I tell financial I love advisors. That. Well, and, and this is the thing. Nobody's interested in Jason Selk's opinion. Right. And you financial advisors out there, no client. I've never been a financial advisor. I'm an investor. I'm not interested in your opinion as a financial yeah. advisor. You give me empirical evidence and I'm in all day long. Yep. You know, for example... 
stock market. Last 100 years, any normal four-year period, you can expect your markets to go up three years, down one. Just always remember three up, one down. That's sure. empirical evidence. Yep. Empirical is just a fancy word for proven in real life. This stuff, 100% science-based, but even better, it's not just theory. It's empirically proven. It's mm. proven in real life. So what advice would you give Jason Selk 10 years ago? Go back and talk to that young man. Not that you're not young today, Jason. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. <laughs> um, you know, um, and we talked about this. You know, my, my father passed away on Christmas from COVID, and um, he was he was the kindest person I've ever met in my life. And I've got a temper. I mean, I'm a redhead, and. Um, you know, I think in, in my life and people who know me know that if you're in my circle, I'm a good, good one to have in the foxhole with you because I'm loyal and, and anything you ever need, I'm all in. People not so much in my circle, I don't, I don't think I've been as gracious. And, you know, I, I wish I could take some things back. Um, but I'm really motivated right now, you know, to keep my dad alive in me. And that's the one thing I'm really, really working on is just being as kind as I can, not just yeah. to people that I know and love and know that yeah. are good people, but be as kind as I can to anyone because you never know, you know, you never know where people are and what their right. situation is. And, and look, life's tough. I mean, yeah. Everybody's got problems. That's the great thing about my job. You know, I, you know, I've got a mental health license, so confidentiality is, you know, of the utmost importance. People come in this office and, and, you know, people you're watching on the news and reading about in papers and seeing on Sports Center, but everybody, everybody has our own bag of trouble. We all have our problems, you know, and so I think that'd be the one thing. And, and I, I, I'd, I'd try to figure out how do you say it that I would have listened 10 years ago. But for whatever reason, I'm at a point in my life right now where that's what I'm really working on is being, being kinder to people. I like it. That's good. What, um, what, have, what have you learned from a family standpoint or just personally during this whole pandemic? Well, we're at home more. Obviously, you travel all over the country speaking. That's been basically eliminated. But what have you learned from a family side of things? Well, I think, I think two things. One, and it's really confirmation on both, honestly, that you really have to expect adversity. You know, I think um, people who, who look at this pandemic or any problem as just a surprise, like I can't believe something sure. negative would happen, I think you're setting yourself up for trouble because that's not our human experience. And, you know, this has been a, you know, who could have ever, you know, Nuts. if you saw this in a movie, you'd say, well, that could never happen. Just There's no possible way. So you, not that you could be prepared necessarily for this, adversity but be prepared understand that it is going to happen don't be surprised by it don't feel sorry for yourself learn to attack it yep. you know and, and that'd be the first thing and it can you know i already knew that um but this really i think was confirmation the second thing i think i've done a really good job with my family teaching them principles from this book th this idea of relentless solution focus and specifically you know, if there are parents out there, because I get a lot of parents say, okay, yeah, I can, I can take some of that stuff and make myself better at work, but what can I do with my children? One of the things I've, I've done a really good job of with my children in my family is forcing them to identify what they're doing well. 
you know, when I pick my kids up from sports and all my kids are in sports and high level sports and I don't, I'm not that dad, you know, here's what you need to improve, you know, and I could probably, you know, I've done enough high level coaching where I probably could offer some of that, but I've just never done that. I've, I've been really good about when they get in the car, tell me what you did well today. When we're having dinner, try to go around the table. What's something that you did well today at school? But, but I really tried to ingrain in them, you always focus on what you've done well before you start on the critical stuff. And I think this year, watching children go through this adversity and this confusion, I've been really impressed with my children because I know they have a bit of an advantage over some of their peers because they're able to deal with this adversity at a higher level. And I think a lot of it comes from you know, some of this mental stuff that we talk about yeah. in the book. So last question, I always like to ask this because you never know what you're going to hear, but I, I steal your cell phone today. Besides email, what's the one thing that you don't want me to delete? <laughs> I'm not a cell phone guy. You can That's throw good. mine, you can throw throw mine it in the trash. <laughs> right. um, I mean, I guess my schedule because yeah. if I didn't, you know, tomorrow I got a full boat of clients I'm going to yeah. call and I got to know who they are yeah. and I, you know, I'm a big believer and you got to be on time right. and, uh, so that'd probably be the one thing. I guess some of the photos, you know, but my yeah. wife does a great job of uh, taking photos yeah. of, of everything. But I, I'd say either the phone numbers so that I can get in touch with people. I, right. I'm a big, you know, if I don't, I don't want to email you or text you. I'd rather call you on the phone, hear your tone of voice, and just get that personal connection. I'm still kind of old school on that one. But probably phone numbers and obviously the calendar. Awesome. I couldn't, couldn't go without the calendar. Where do our listeners get the book? Where do they find more of Jason Selk? So, you know, it, it's in all the major I don't think bookstores really yeah. is the way to go, but right. all the what online yeah, bookstores sure. on the Amazons, wherever you buy your books, it should you shouldn't have any trouble. It it, it uh, just released last week. I think it hit the bestseller la list the week before it even came out, nice. so you shouldn't have any trouble finding it. More about me, and you could find you know I've written this in my fifth book, uh, JasonSelk.com. All the books are there, and we try to give stuff away for free. Obviously, I can't give everything away for free, but. We do try to, you know, there's a weekly newsletter you can sign up for. I try to make it just a one-pager, just short and sweet, just as a, hey, one thing to think about this week to keep yourself mentally tough. Uh, but, yeah, check out the website. You know, there's videos on there, and there's links to other ideas that could help people. Um, but, you know, any support is much appreciated, and I'd say on this one, please, please consider picking this book up. Yep. I just feel like our team... Our country needs people reading this book right now and starting to retrain their brains away from some of the negative garbage we've we've gotten so accustomed to. Yeah, and I would say the same thing. If anybody gets this book, and, and I'll, I'll buy it off of you too. because I, And I think it's harder to read people's books that you know, right? Because when, you're, yeah, when yeah. I'm reading it, I'm actually, I can hear you saying this, yeah, right? Yeah. I've known you yeah. for over a decade, yeah. so but I still say it's a great book, even though I know you, and, and I think it's just phenomenal. And people need to read it. It's perfect timing. Like you said, you didn't mean to do this right before COVID, but yeah. it came out, and it's going to help a ton of people, man. So I appreciate you being on the Circuit of Success. Again, you were you were on three or four years ago whenever I started this yeah, thing. So I it's remember. been a fun journey, and uh, good having you again. Yeah, and here, here I'm going to say one, one final thing to you and people out there. Um, and I know you well enough that you overlook a lot of the good things you're doing. And if you're listening, I'm sure I'm talking to you too. Just, just take a minute today sometime, maybe before you yeah. go to sleep today, and recognize, just kind of get started on that road of, hey, all the imperfections, fine. You yeah. know what those are already, but screw that. Quit yeah. putting energy into that garbage. Just today, Love think it. about 
two or three things that you do well and the impact you're making on people's lives because you're doing some really good stuff. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I think I'm going to go back and I'm going to do this RSF thing, those four questions. Why would I – I got four boys at home. Why why would I not do that as a family exercise? Just start with the first one. You know, just – again – and I talk about this in the book. This is where we have that tendency to jump in head first and have that perfectionist mentality yeah, and overload channel capacity. How about just start start talking to people, hey, what are you doing well? Yep. Make people talk about what they're doing well. And again, you know, you might listen and say, oh, this guy's one of those guys that believes in the participation award. And, and I'm just going to tell you, if you know me, you know that is 100% no, not, not that you don't get a job with the St. Louis Cardinals and help win two World Series by being participation award. Yep. This isn't give yourself credit for stuff you don't deserve credit for. That's what particip- participation medals are. Yeah. This is find the things you're doing well, even if it's something small. You know, I had the opportunity to sit with John Wooden. He said to me, he said, you know, it's the small things done well that creates excellence. Mm. And that's the thing is just give yourself credit, even if it's something small. So hell, search for the small stuff you're doing well, but give yourself credit for the good things you're doing. You've earned it. You deserve it. All right, brother. I'll do it tonight. Yeah, thanks, thanks for a lot. Having me. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 